Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up? Welcome in, Browns fans. It is your Monday after the Super Bowl edition of your quick hitter on the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are talking about a 23-20 L.A. Rams Super Bowl victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. And I don't know where your allegiances lie or how you felt about the Bengals going into this game. Some of you might be extremely happy. Some of you might be a little bummed that they lost this game. But wherever you stand, it was a good game, which was needed after last year's blowout. And uh, pretty evenly split in the total yards mark here were uh, L.A.'s 313, Cincinnati's 305. The two turnovers are actually on L.A. side. Cincinnati ended up uh, punting the football six times to L.A. six. So, you know, L.A. being able to overcome, you know, some of those turnovers, one of which was uh, the turnover, the interception there, which was kind of a throwaway punt type of situation. So it didn't end up backfiring before half. Uh, but nonetheless, and then you know Vernon Hark. I think it was Vernon Hargraves. Or I could be screwing up his name. Uh, the player from the sidelines out on the field, pretty bananas, uh, ends up costing them even more yardage. So that was a bit of a throwaway. And then I think the Bengals were unable uh, to capitalize. Maybe they were able to capitalize on that second half interception thrown. They threw. No, they only got a 38-yard field goal out of it that made it 2013. So the turnovers were not that bad. The thing that's amazing is how poorly the Rams ran the football despite seriously trying to run the football. They only ran the football, if you take out Matt Stafford's six yards, they only ran the football for 43 yards. Uh, and, and if you look at the carry total numbers, you're looking at, you know, Cooper Cup got it one time as a wide receiver, but if you look at specifically running back carries, uh, 19 carries total for 28, 29 yards, pretty embarrassing running numbers, but they were able to overcome it by going 26 of 40, 283 through the air, ended up with three passing touchdowns, which is the significant part of your difference. You add the one field goal and the mixed extra point, and you're looking at a 23-20 final. And what struck me about this game, obviously Odell Beckham catches a touchdown, and that part of it is is uh, is continuing to rip, rip the Browns I guess fan base on Twitter apart, maybe people who are not uh, paying attention to social media uh, couldn't couldn't really uh, dive into this the way it feels like everybody is week by week on social media. But I guess Al Michaels, who I thought was embarrassingly bad, picking on picking on Cleveland, picking on the topic, and making uh, even if even if this thing went down the way you think it did, if it went down a different way than some people think it did, Michaels just continually harping on and making Odell the, the like, like a blameless victim. Uh, it's pretty bananas to me. Not that you you could go by this this situation and not blame Odell for some things. I totally get it. The blame gets passed on. There's definitely some stuff on both sides here, but boy, they just they played that card ridiculously well. And it was by the end of the game to me a pretty embarrassing uh, segue thing that was going on between every topic point getting to Odell and leaving Odell was how bad Cleveland was for for his situation, blah, 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 which I get, I totally do, but you can, you can only play that up so far. Odell had some part of that, man. Like he, there was, there was was definitely trying to say that he was not a part of any issue in Cleveland as bananas to me, but whatever. Like, that's the thing that I think I take away and kudos to the, the, so many guys on the Rams was happy to see win a Super Bowl. Obviously, Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford. I posted a throw that Matt Stafford made there on that on that final drive. And you want to talk about what type of throws it takes for a quarterback to win 
to be a guy to to lead you to to you know the biggest touchdowns and in the biggest moments and that throw from Stafford on third down where he steps up right side to find the backside dig holds down the hook defender with his eyes on the uh it's a little levels concept where you get sort of a little stop hitch and then you get a, a dig route over top of it and he pulls the hook defender down with his eyes and essentially throws a no look pass where the helmet's looking at the hitch guy but as the dig's working into the hash he's throwing the football without having his helmet there now his eyes are probably there at the last moment it's not truly a no look pass 15 yards downfield but that is a throw Stafford's made before, and he pulled it out of the bag of tricks at the biggest moment, which was wild, a wild throw. So check that throw out. I posted it. But, you know, just a game where injuries happened to both quarterbacks. They got beat up. The Rams lost Odell, which obviously mattered to them. And, you know, it. I don't really have much else to say. It was like it was a it was a good close game, but not a really, really good game. Not extremely well played. I thought both defenses dominated and in the second half. The Rams, you know, I thought the Rams obviously took over on the defensive side of the football where they were able to, after the first initial run of scoring from Cincinnati, where they got that T. Higgins 75-yard touchdown pass, which, if you look at it, pretty egregious no call in the face mask and and, and uh, sliding Ramsey by there. Then they get the interception, the 38-yard field goal after they were stopped, and then you get no points the rest of the way. They really dominated them and started to figure out ways to get pressure on the way the Bengals were protecting and get those one-on-one matchups they wanted. And if you saw the last drive, man, Joe Burrow, you had no chance. I mean, just if you're sitting back in predictable pass situations now, I would have probably had Joe Mixon on the field when it mattered most. Would have likely had, you know, uh, a, a better second and one play call teed up, but you know, they run it on third down, try to throw for it on fourth down. And if you look at you just go back and watch the type of pressure that Burrow is dealing with in the fourth quarter there, especially that final drive, it was it was pretty ridiculous. So, um, you know, that's that's the way it goes, though. That's what the, the Bengals could not put themselves in that situation. You could complain about the penalties there uh, late in the on that fourth quarter drive, the, the holding call on third down, I believe, third down. And it wasn't quite third and goal yet, but it was third and a substantial amount of yards uh, between, not a substantial, I think it was like third and, third and something from the 12-yard line. So they could have gotten one more first down. I could be wrong on that. But nonetheless, that call, little ticky-tacky when we hadn't seen very many calls throughout the game. But as I always say, the flags and no flags tend to balance themselves out. So I don't have any issue with how the game outcome worked out. I thought the better team overall, Team 1, the Bengals had every opportunity to stop the Rams and get the football back to close out the game on offense with a lead. Didn't work out that way. They got their opportunity with the football and could not move the football into at least field goal range. So, yeah, I mean, again, kudos to the Bengals. They went really, really far and uh, deserve a ton of credit. Let's talk real quick about Odell. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we're, we're going to kind of close on Odell. At least this is what we should do, what we have to do, because a lot of Browns players are tweeting about it. And and what it is, is it's a different side of the spectrum than what many people think the Browns players feel about Odell uh, is not what the players actually feel. A lot of them don't believe he quit on them. A lot of them don't believe he's a bad teammate. He was a bad person. They're all pulling for him, which is a completely different narrative than folks want to believe how the situation went. And I'm not here to tell you who's right and who's wrong. I am clearly clearly here to talk about there is a dissension between what the outcome was with Odell, how Baker felt. There is a level of dissension there that I think is pretty clear that there was a pick a side thing going on. And you can't really argue that you really can't the dissension between the guys when Odell's father posted the video that he found on the internet, like it was real. It remained real. And if you heard Odell talk leading up to the Super Bowl, they are still not talking. It's very, it's very real. So, um, you know, whatever side of events you want to believe and, uh, unfolded, whatever stance you want to take on the whole thing from a, from a player failure perspective, there is no doubt that the Odell Beckham experience ripped up the Browns locker room. It ripped it up. It ripped up. And I'm not blaming Odell. I'm just saying the experience of him and the, and the gravity by which he holds and the outcome by which what happened when he was around, it clearly, it clearly ripped up things. And the best stretch of football the Browns have had since 2019 when Beckham arrived was when Beckham was hurt. That's when they started to really figure it out and go on a run and and put some quality effort in uh, and, and string some wins together and go places. That's the best version of the Browns. Now, again, he goes to L.A. and he finds success. I, I'm, I'm not here to say Odell Beckham can't play in the NFL. Clearly can be a significant player in the NFL. Great touchdown to start that game. Like, he can fit somewhere, but the, the experience of Odell was not... It, I mean, it was just absolutely terrible for Cleveland. And um, whoever should have seen that coming, John Dorsey, whoever, uh, we probably misinterpreted how badly Odell didn't really want to be in Cleveland in the first place. And that's not to say Odell didn't, did not do his job when he got here, but uh, to, to say he wanted to be here, he really did not. Other than Jarvis Landry being here, there was no real connection for him. There was no real desire for him to be in Cleveland. He got out of Cleveland. He found success. Uh, hopefully we can all bury this and move on, but it's clear to me that there was a fracture, maybe still a fracture, I don't know, in the Browns' locker room, and um, we'll see if they're able to eventually overcome it, but there's not a doubt how many people are tweeting support from the Browns' locker room. The level of dissension that you think is there um, from a we-think-he-quit-on-us standpoint it's not there. And again, I've talked about this on earlier podcasts. It could be the fact that athletes these days and the way they're interpersonally connected, it's all different. I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that the that the whole thing um, did not uh, go the way, from a locker room perspective, the way many of us thought, many of us feel uh, on social, uh, on Twitter. And there's no denying that. There's too much support there for players that feel like they were burned by a guy who didn't want to be with them. Something, in my opinion, big happened. I don't know what. Maybe it was as simple as the video from Odell's father, and you could never go back on that. There was a huge level of dissension. Something happened behind closed doors. Baker is, uh, himself has talked about this. Uh, many times throughout the year about the level of inner turmoil that went beyond anything on the field 
there's some dissension there. How they get it rectified, if there's a path forward, will be very interesting to follow. Uh, but again, I just have to reiterate that the experience of Odell, whether his fault or not, or whatever angle you want to take, it was it was not, you know, it, it was not Odell's, it was not, it was just not good. It was terrible. And there's no way around it. The experience has changed the course of the Cleveland Browns. And we'll see whether that course ends up being good or not. But the ramifications of division left in the locker room could uh, could could be a big problem for this regime and this title window that we all believe started last year. We'll see. I don't know. Just hate it. I want to bury it. It'll keep coming up all offseason. I'm going to try my best not to harp on this anymore in this podcast unless some gigantic piece of news comes out. I'm going to try not to do any more with it. He won a Super Bowl. Congratulations to Odell Beckham for winning a Super Bowl. Shout out to him. Good for him. Uh, maybe he feels like his career is completely justified now. Um, but yeah. Um, uh, good for him. So, uh, Bengals will be back in Hungary. They're not going to be invincible. I think they have plenty of issues. I think the Cleveland Browns defense matches up really well with them. Hopefully the Browns offense can get on track to give a better run at the division next year. But I do feel good about the Browns defense and how they can defend Cincinnati and those matchups that are coming up in the remaining, uh, you know, title window here or whatever for both sides. I think there's some good clashes that can happen there. So I enjoyed Cincinnati. If you want to have a fun exercise, go look at how well Cincinnati did in free agency. That's the thing. Not enough people. I think some people are talking about it. It got a little bit of publicity on uh, in the in the game broadcast graphic design stuff. But they have hit the home runs in free agency and not the big names, but the minor names who became big contributors for them and filled many, many holes. That's how you can handle free agency. And that's a blueprint, right? Now, Hendrickson was a big free agent signing. They had some others, Cheeto Ouzier, kind of mid, mid-upper uh, level signing. But they, they just hit all the right players have played well for them uh, that they have signed to be those guys who are just foundation pieces, those guys who are not the best players on your roster, but certainly make your roster elevated. And that's what the Browns have to do is, is those guys they sign that are middle tier guys. You have to, uh, you have to hit, you have to hit them out of the park. Right. And uh, maybe find a kicker uh, as good as what Cincinnati trots out there every, every week as well. That'd be nice. So anyway, the season's wrapped up 23, 20. That is the end uh, of your of your season 2021 season coverage uh, on the Cleveland Browns. I know we've been looking forward to the postseason, but this wraps everything from the football season standpoint. It is officially closed. 23-20. The Rams are your Super Bowl champions. The Bengals will be back hungrier than ever. Hopefully, your Cleveland Browns will be able to match that. So, anyway, enjoyed this episode. Have a great Monday. We'll check in on tight end week. We're going to have a ton to talk about. Some changes could be happening at the position. Keep your eye out for that. Have a great Monday. Like I said, thanks for listening and supporting the OBR and this podcast. Appreciate you guys and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.